Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gap Studies Review. This is the fakest excitement I've ever had in my entire life. I'm so tired. I'm not fake excited about the article tonight. You're genuinely excited about I, the article. I am. I came in here and I was like, boom, this is a good one, Cody. Super excited about the article. But man, is it this? Do we need second spring break? Should I just cancel all the stuff due for all my classes? Like, I don't know what to do. This is terrible timing. This article is awesome. Cody, welcome. You all know Cody by now. He's amazing. Hello. He's wonderful. He has a full head of luscious hair. No, I'm bald. Oh, yeah. The last part was maybe not true. But um, so excited that you're here tonight, Cody. Thank you for allowing me to postpone to deal with the mice problem that has gotten into um, my life in multiple ways. That's not a metaphor, literal mice. So we're a little late, um, but that doesn't matter because we got awesome stuff to talk about. Tell us yeah. about yourself. Tell us about the article. Tell us everything. Um. I, 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 let's talk about the article. This is uh, Sarah Thorne's uh, There Is No Immersion Critical Intervention Through Hypermediacy in Metagames. It's from Eludamos, which is the Journal for Computer Game Studies. It's from Volume 12, Issue 1 from 2021. Uh, so somewhat recent, not as recent as maybe some of the other things we've looked at, but we're only into, what, March in 2022? And so 2021. Yeah, this journal is the backbone of games. If you haven't heard of it, like, what is wrong with you, right? Like, this is corner to everything we should be doing. I'm, I'm just kidding. Go, Cody picked this, and I'm like, this journal's amazing. This journal does all the all the stuff that I dig. I don't know how I haven't been reading this my whole life. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was. I was pretty impressed. the The list of contributors and editors is stacked, and um the podcast gives me a great excuse to try to like find journals and other places and people uh doing cool game studies stuff that i haven't encountered before and so i was if i had heard of eludamos in the past i had um you know forgotten about it and i will not make that mistake again because oh, wow. i enjoyed this piece quite a bit yes. um so it is uh again sarah thorns there is no immersion and this is an examination of metagames as a genre of games through the case study of Pascal Camasoto's 2020 title, There Is No Game. Uh, it explores how metagame advances the genre uh, by shifting the focus from antagonistic relationships between the narrator and uh, or the game and the player to uh, between the player and the industry, the games industry, and that this shift in antagonism can be understood well through Bolter and Grusin's OG twin logic. OG, B and G. OG, B and G. Through uh, Bolter and Grusin's twin logics of hypermediacy and immediacy from their 1997 book, Remediation. And I remember reading Remediation in a new media uh, studies class with Alex in our yeah. master's program and just this being big blown story. away and being like, I got to go to like, I got to get a PhD now. Like goosebumps. This, I have shown you my, goosebumps, is... my literal goosebumps just thinking back to how impactful <laughs> that book was for me. That 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 book that class. Uh, and that whole class um, Mober with Moberly. Kevin Moberly, Kevin mm -hmm. Moberly. Uh, shout out to the Mobes. Is he um, at Old Dominion now? He's at, he, I believe he's still at Old Dominion, yes. Uh, but way back when uh, he taught uh, grad class for us, and it spurred certainly me to continue Change to get my lives. PhD because I was going to stop with a master's uh, program. And then I was like, I found game studies and was like, all aboard the hype train. Uh, but Remediation was one of my favorite books from that class. I love it. And so I was really excited to find somebody engaging with it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so there's uh, in Thorne's article, there's a kind of careful discussion of both. There is no game, the game jam version of there is no game. Mm -hmm. And then the later full release subtitled wrong dimension. So for the listener's sake, I'm just going to refer to it as there is no game to mean the game jam version and then wrong dimension for the later um, release. Uh, And there's a lot to unpack and it's I think Thorne does it really, really well. But the thesis uh, is that the game jam version won the won the jam, which was focused on deception. That was like the theme of the game jam. Mm-hmm. And it featured a narrator, which was like a read in for the developer that was opposed to the player. Yep. The jam uh, win generated a bunch of buzz that kind of then fizzled out and turned into a failed Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And despite that, the full game was released five years later, and that release, uh, Wrong Dimension, centered the failed funding and other industry problems as the antagonistic mechanism. And then so Thorne is examining the kind of progression um, from the jam to the Wrong Dimension release as uh, a kind of growth or evolution of the metagame genre and how to understand what games in that space can do. Um, And so there's, I think, some really interesting contributions that uh, are going on with this piece. Uh, She writes, quote, while many earlier metagames of this genre pit players against antagonistic narrators, as implied developers, Camisota reframes the narrative, instead aligning players and developers against an oppressive industry that privileges sales above all else, end quote. In doing so, um, it, and as the metagame genre and the game, engages with hypermediacy, exemplified by examining other game genres uh, through like monitors within monitors. So like when you're playing the non-game, you're playing other games within it and engaging in hypermediacy because there are, it's literally mise en abime, right? Which is one of the kind of first chapters or playable sections of there is no game, right? You're playing a game on a monitor and on that monitor is you're playing a game on a monitor, right? right? And so there is uh, kind of, games and non-games all the way down. And so um, ultimately, Wrong Dimension critiques, quote, valuing sales and player centrism over creativity and experimentation, end quote, which Thorne connects to Salen and Zimmerman's assertion that AAA titles emphasize greater immersion and Khaled's argument that, quote, immersion has been embraced to the detriment of reflection, end quote. Uh, And so she contends that this perspective makes all the more clear why there is no game wrong dimension must fully embrace immersion's opposite hypermediacy in order to successfully tell its story. So the, the kind of emphasis on immersion um, is as Colette says, a detriment to reflection. And so if we want to reflect on industry, on the potential for games, then we need hypermediacy instead of immediacy. And so Bolton and Grusin come in and do some really productive things for Thorne in her kind of examination case uh, of these two games from Kamasoto. And, and I will say this, the, the stuff we've talked about so far makes this sound like it's just drenched in in a bunch of citations that actually isn't the case there is most of the piece is deep dive into the two games themselves um and the author uh thorn is 
amazing at getting right to the heart of the scholars that she's talking about and pulling out really relevant quotes and pieces and and contextualizing them well within her discussion of the game. So um, Alex, there is certainly a value statement in drenched in citations. So I actually wrote in the margins of this, like, do I hate scholarship? Like, is that happening? Because this is definitely more scholarly. I mean, this this had some some remnants of of some of the more popular stuff that we non scholarly stuff we've reviewed. Um, but it certainly is a scholarly piece. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It is academic as it comes. It just is not. Sometimes the citations feel like citations for citations sake. And I didn't feel like that here. I thought she used the theories productively. Yes. This is this is an honest and authentic conversation with the scholarship because that scholarship helps Thorne productively engage with what's going on with Kamasoto's game. And that is very different than citations for citations sake, yeah. right? Um, and so I, what what I thought you were going to say before you Ooh. took the turn towards citations was that it's not drenched in like theory. It's also not drenched in theory. It's 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 not it's not steeped in theory. It is not overly rich with theory. But what theory it has and um, is includes or attends to is nuanced and necessary to understand what Thorne is doing. And I think um, she does an exceptional job. Um, explaining what that theory is and why it's relevant in yeah. ways that are um, important and enriching. Yeah, and I think, I mean, even I, when I write scholarship, sometimes I get so wrapped up in what the new theory and the newest thing is. No one's trying to show off by going to the Bolter and Grusin from 1997. Like, if you're going there, you're going there for a good reason. And that that certainly is. And there were a few references in here that I hadn't, hadn't encountered before and was very impressed by how they sounded. A lot of my highlights were highlights of quotes. But anyway, I'm supposed to be talking about the gaps. Um, the the article, I, I have a hard time because I only have good things to say about it for the most part, but that isn't my role. Uh, so feel free to to free yourself from the, the strictures and shackles of your predetermined role, Alex Lane. Let loose. I I feel like I feel you've seen Encanto. Uh, my my kids just watched it today because it was rainy, but I was working. I have not seen it. OK, so there's a character in there and she is the strongest one and she takes on all the burdens from everybody else. Right. And she has this like this crisis that like if I'm not useful to these other people, then who am I? Like I am what I'm able to provide the service I'm able to provide for others. So I am the dark cloud okay <laughs> and outside of that i have no value you can contain multitudes alex lane i know this is true i think we're like just punch drunk we're so tired we are not drunk we are maybe punch drunk so um i i would say the gap for me is there's a flat pop um i i was engaged enough i literally read every word every sentence every paragraph like i totally dug it and you get to the end and it's kind of like a for me. Uh, so I, I enjoyed the experience. I will remember this article. But the, it's like a it's like a lead up that just loops. I don't know, loops you back. I, I'm, I'm just not sure. A flat pop. I like that. I like that kind of characterization. That was very similar to my 
um, my reaction as well. I really liked it. Um, and I think it's very successful as a piece of like art criticism or games criticism. Mm -hmm. um, as, as far as like what made it flat for me is I didn't know what to do with it after that. Yeah. I wasn't sure where to go. Like it's, it's an astute analysis and I really, really like the close reading, yep. right? It is it, successful very well done. and the perspective is great and valuable for understanding that game as far as how to generalize that case to other games that we might, you know, attribute as a uh, call, you know, or identify as falling within the metagame genre. Yep. I don't, I don't know. And I also don't know, like if, if that move is happening, I guess I'm wondering, so what, and not in a, not in a like cynical way, but in a, I get it. I, I, picking up what you're putting down i'm following well let me let me where, where build on what you're next? saying she she says towards the beginning um that this this game highlights a hopeful this is a quote hopeful future through its construction of the player developer relationship and i and, and she says most of the games in this genre have a very pessimistic almost nihilistic almost hateful relation uh uh yes uh, relationship between the player and developer. And that's the role of these metagames often. Um, kind of like a lashing out at the player because the games community is notoriously horrible to the game designers, Phil Fish. So um, <laughs> so this well, is this was going to be hopeful, right? And and e like everything is done well. But yes. I'm not like getting like, like I'm expecting, you know, some balloons at the end or something, but. Well, so this is is right attending to a sort of what what Thorne is seeing as a change in metagame genre or a possible change, mm -hmm. and it's a hopeful one. But if we're to understand it as a trend or like a call to developers to say, "Hey, instead of being antagonistic with your player, let's you know take take the fires to the industry um, and let them be the antagonist." it's not it it could be stronger right if that if that is you know we're trying to see the pattern that needs to be strengthened if we're trying to put out the call that needs to be sharper right and i would i would say like for me the takeaway the big takeaway and maybe it's just because i don't have a ton of metagame reading was the point she made over and over through like towards the last third about immersion. Um, so I like pl metagames playfully rewrite gameplay to bring players out of immersion to draw attention to the medium in an effort to encourage reflection. To me, that that piece of knowledge could be um, for people who want to do games for change and mm -hmm. serious games, things like that, like that not yeah, I guess going for immersion, like that could be a really useful point. The the like sort of argument for the value of hypermediacy yes um in these sorts of design spaces i think um is present yeah yeah um so, so that's what i got talk, talk you said there was a bunch of stuff that you liked. talk to me about what you liked um well some of it's really selfish i have students really into game jams right now i can't okay. wait to have them read this this is just the study in and of itself even separate from its positioning as a metagame of this uh developers experience and going through the game jam and the failed kickstarter like that in and of itself is really interesting and i think there are novel 
game mechanics discussed in detail that's not overwhelming. I have not played this game and I never felt lost at all. And I don't know if that's basically ever happened when I'm reading a close reading of a game. Like I always feel quite lost. And she just has a really good way of walking you through the game and you don't feel bored and like it's going on too long and you also get it even if you haven't played. So I thought, I really thought that analysis was well. And like I said at the beginning, I thought the theories chosen were were left me no questions. I, I yeah. thought they were applied well and I thought it was inspiring. There are several students I have I can't wait to give this to. It's accessible. So for those reasons, I, think- I loved it all. Those are really good points. And it made me realize um, and made me able to articulate one problem that I have with a lot of the scholarship that I come across in game studies, um, which is that it's so incredibly game centric, like if, you know, about a specific title, right? Um, Exploring one issue in one particular title, which is not in itself a problem. But if you have not played that title, it is very often impossible to appreciate the argument being made because there is not space to do justice to a 60 hour, 20, a 20 hour play experience, yeah. even five hour play experience when you're right. also trying to do other things. Yeah. And so I think it's pretty masterful that Thorne is able to, as you said, sort of weave in a description and close reading of the game with the exploration of what the game is doing as she understands it in terms of progressing the meta metagame genre yeah so mm. kudos mm. Mm. well said well said what about you uh loved or hmms um well that i kind of mentioned my hmm the, I'll, I'll echo your flat pop i like that characterization um i loved I, I you know everything that i just said um but also i loved the scholarship that it drew from it's it's like a who's who of a lot of my favorites um pieces right they've got bullock and lemieux who i've you know their work on metagames i've crowed about i think mm-hmm. just last episode they've got uh thorns uh, mentioned sickert and dark play we like mm-hmm. sickert uh boulder and gruesome remediation they've got you know salen and zerman it's just it's a list of mm-hmm. people that I have found very helpful in uh, understanding and, and doing scholarship on games. Nice. Um, I was interested. I didn't uh, t- dark place mentioned several times, but um, I'm not, I wasn't entirely sure that they like actually cited the book dark play, which uh, I assigned in my classes, but darkly no, playing others. Um, it's from the dark side of gameplay, controversial issues in playful environments, um, edited uh, by Mortensen, Linderoth, and Brown, 2015. Nice. Very nice. Uh, and I see there's the EVE Online thing. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about that after we hang up with the skull. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I agree. It was very excellent. Any additional hmm? No more hmms. I think um, my bottom line for this would be if you are interested in like metagames as a genre, if you want to learn how to write a really good games critique, if you want to learn how to write a really good close reading of a game, Mm -hmm. uh, read this and study the moves that Thorne makes. It is exceptional. Definitely. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Feel free to tweet at us or 
Uh, email us game studies review at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for things to review. Cody, you knocked it out of the park with this reading. Thank you for picking it, and I hope you all enjoyed our review. Thank <laughs> you.